Broadcasting live from the KVXL studios at Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. The Frittle Show with Crystal Heath. I've said that we must be cautious in claiming God is on our side. I think the real question we must answer is, are we on His side? Faith, family, freedom. For me, it's very simple. I think we've got to... We've got to get the country back on the right track with the most inspiring agenda. A voice in the desert. Now, here's Crystal Heath. And hello, Las Vegas. How are you this Thursday? Just one week until Thanksgiving. One week. And it's finally starting to feel a little bit like winter out there. I was even going to wear a jacket this morning, but then I forgot, (laughs) forgot it because it's been so long since I've worn one. And my brain just doesn't think that way. So, anyhow, it's getting chilly. Best time of the year. My favorite, anyway. Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's fireworks, all the fun stuff. Speaking of fireworks, did you hear about this? Disney has announced that they're introducing a new element to their fireworks show this winter. Would you like to guess what that new element is? I would let you guess, but I can't hear if you're guessing. So I'm just going to pretend that you already guessed and you got it wrong. So wrong. Here's what they're adding. They are adding drones. At Disney World in Orlando, they're going to be sending 300 drones into the sky uh, to create uh, what they're calling their shooting star. I think it's the shooting star spectacular or something like that. It's going to be part of the fireworks show. It's not going to replace the entire traditional fireworks show, which is one of the best things about Disney because I love fireworks. It's just going to become part of it. 300 drones. I think this year they're only doing it a couple times. Like they're not doing it with every uh, night's show, just a few of them, and then. I'm guessing based on how that goes, it might become more of a regular happening. But it's pretty cool. They put up a little promo video about it. You can go and watch it. They're going to be flying these drones over the uh, over um, over some of that water area, which I forget what it's called, but over their little bay so that if the drone were to malfunction, it wouldn't crash and, and hurt someone. It's just going to crash into the water. It looks really neat. You should go check it out. Anyway, that was just a random thought I had because I mentioned fireworks. You're listening to The Frittle Show. This is KVXL 101.1 FM Experience Liberty Radio in Las Vegas. You can listen to us online on iTunes or SoundCloud. Just search The Frittle Show. It will take you right there. Okay, now, I have to mention this because this is the best news I have seen all week long. I don't know how I missed this. Apparently, I have no friends in Las Vegas because this was announced months ago, but I did not know about it until yesterday. I just happened to be scrolling through Twitter, and it was, I think it's the Las Vegas, yeah, the Las Vegas Sun. I follow a bunch of different uh, news sites on social media. It, it's like instant headlines. It, it is the new way to get news. I'm telling you, if you love news, Twitter is the best place to get your news. But you have to be careful in, in who you follow and stuff because you... Well, is now a time for a Twitter lesson? All right, brief Twitter lesson. 
Okay. There are people that uh, that tweet things that are of interest to you. There are people that tweet news. There are people that just tweet constantly all the time, no matter what it's about. If the sky is blue or the grass is green, it's it's just never ending. There are other people who, who tweet in all caps all the time. And then there are those who have no idea what the difference between your, your, and your is. Um, yeah. So, that said... Depending on, and some people are like, oh, I don't like Twitter. Twitter's just this, this, that, or I don't like this or that. It's a tool. It's how you use it. So I use Twitter as my news aggregator. I follow people very specifically so that what I see in my news feed, I, I, I know what's coming. And there's also, you know, if you have friends that you need to follow or feel like you should follow, but the things that they're tweeting, it's just cluttering up your feed you can put them into lists and you can um you can mute them if you need to like over the election season i i muted several different accounts just because it was it was a constant stream of like exactly the same thing all the time and i i I knew what that opinion was there and i i didn't need to see it 10 times um every time i picked up twitter but twitter is what i use as my news aggregator and it's amazing. Twitter knows the news before the news knows the news. It's like instant. I don't know how it happens, but it it, it just is. And that's what I use for my... People always ask me, where do you get these stories? How do you know this stuff? Twitter mostly. Twitter is what I use for news. I also use Drudge, uh, The Blaze, Fox News, some traditional outlets. Uh, but mostly... My news is Twitter, and then I also check trending topics on uh, Facebook. If you use their little sidebar, you can see they have different categories, and you can see what's trending in different categories in entertainment and politics and sports. Anyway, so I was scrolling through Twitter. Here's the point of the whole thing. And the Las Vegas Sun had a story. The headline was, Giordano's has job fair for new Las Vegas pizza restaurant. And I reread the 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 140 well, less than that characters about five times before I clicked on the link because I was sitting there and I was like Giordano's has job fair for new Las Vegas pizza restaurant that must mean that Giordano's is opening a restaurant in Las Vegas what and so I clicked on the link and sure enough apparently on December 13th down at the Grand Bazaar shops at Bailey's, they're going to be opening a Giordano's. Huh. This is... This is fantastic. So, if uh, if you're looking for a job and you like pizza, they are interviewing today from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. They're looking to fill all their front of house and kitchen positions. You're supposed to bring your resume be prepared for an on-the-spot interview. Here is the amazing thing about Giordano's. Giordano's has pizza. All pizza should be Giordano's pizza. Like, you, you, you have not... You don't know. You, you just don't know what pizza is. And I've never been in Bailey's before downtown. I don't go downtown hardly ever unless there's Uh, friends in town that want to see the fountains and things like that so i've never been in bailey's that is about to change really fast come december i mean this is the best pizza in the entire 
universe. It's a deep dish. The sauce is on the top, and the cheese is is amazing in the middle, and then you have this flaky, amazing crust. I don't even know how to explain it to you, but let me just put it this way. It's so good. I mean, so good that whenever my dad would have a business trip that took him anywhere near Chicago, he would take coolers with him, go to Giordano's, and pack those coolers full of pizza and bring it home to us in Pennsylvania. And you can order it off their website, too. They'll ship it to you in dry ice. It's fantastic. I sent some to my family for their birthdays last year. And when my dad drove across the country this year to come and visit me, he went through Chicago and brought me pizza. In fact, I still have some pizza in my freezer, which I have been saving. And I plan on eating it on my birthday this year. That is how good this pizza is. I mean, I love them so much. I have a Giordano's Pizza t-shirt. My favorite cups are a set of Giordano's Pizzeria cups. No, you can't buy them in stores. No, you have to specially ask the manager of an actual Giordano's restaurant if you can buy some of their actual restaurant cups. I have them. You don't know. You're probably laughing at me right now, but you just don't know. Mock me if you will. But once they come here, you will go and you too will never ever look at pizza the same way again in your entire life. And now I'm hungry and I <laughs> it's it's a weird sensation because my body is saying, "Ooh, that sounds really good." And the other part of me is saying, "It's it's not time for pizza right now." But go go look at the pictures. When you cut this pizza, the cheese, it just it does things that that cheese should always do it's it's so good it's so so good let's keep it in the restaurant theme here for a minute taco bell is set to add 100,000 jobs in the united states by 2022 and this was even pre-election everybody's talking about the stock market going up the housing market is up a lot today i just saw that headline but didn't really have a chance to read the story but i saw that it's up significantly Um, But Taco Bell apparently has been doing pretty well. It's also going to expand to 9,000 locations nationwide. Wow. In the next six years, the company aims to reach $15 billion in global sales. And their brand shares are up 14.5% for the year. So, you know, if you are a, if you're an investor, it might be time to look at some Taco Bell. Apparently, Taco Bell is doing really good. I have been helping them since coming to Las Vegas. It's not a good thing, really, that there's a Taco Bell less than a minute away from my workplace and less than a minute away from my residence. And that there are also two Taco Bells between my workplace, and my residence. I enjoy Taco Bell. I know some people don't because it's not real Mexican food, and I get that. But there are some things on their menu that I really like, and I think they have a great dollar menu. If I want something for a dollar, like if I just have a craving, I, that's, I'm going to go spend my dollar at Taco Bell. I think they have the, the best dollar menu. That's pretty much it. I really don't... I mean, every once in a while, I'll buy something that's not on their dollar menu, but for the most part... The only time I go to Taco Bell is because their dollar menu is, is the best, and that's that's 
that's it. It's not that I think they have this most amazingly fantastic food. It's just, I think it's good fast food that fills me up that's cheap. So, perhaps that is why they are doing so well. All right, let's see. Uh, Let's go with this story. Science says... These headlines always scare me when science says something. Because whenever you say something is something that science said, then you just... It's as though science could never possibly be wrong because it's science. And so therefore it must forever be right. This is from scarymommy.com. Kudos to whoever thought to buy that brand. But science says nagging moms raise successful daughters. Good news, mothers of daughters. It looks like we may be able to use daughters' advantage to or need to prove us wrong about everything to our advantage. A study from the University of Essex showed that girls who have mothers who, quote, nag them were more likely to go to college, get better paying jobs, and avoid teen pregnancy than those with mothers who were more relaxed. The study followed the lives of over 15,000 girls between the ages of 13 and 14 from 2004 to 2010. They found that high parental expectations played a role in some of the girls' major life choices. It was the expectations of the uh, parents that were most influential, and since uh, the time spent with parents was most often spent with the mother, they gave mothers credit for nagging their daughters. Okay, so... They choose to use this term nagging. I'm not sure why, because essentially the only thing that this study is saying is that parents who were involved in their children's lives and parents who had high expectations of their children, uh, those kids tended to do better than those whose parents did not, those whose parents were not involved, those whose parents did not set the bar high. There are some children listening right now that are wishing for my demise. Stop that, children. That's not nice. Your parents set the bar high because they love you. And if you obey the first time, which is what you should do, then nagging isn't even a thing. Obedience isn't this magical, mystical, you know, somebody's children somewhere are obeying right now. No. It's simple. You're supposed to obey unless your parents are are asking you to do something that God says is wrong. Then you're supposed to obey them. God said obey your parents because it's right. Simple. Just do it. Just obey. Maybe annoying. You may not like it. Doesn't matter. And you know there are a lot of commands in the Bible. Do not murder, do not lie, do not steal, do not commit adultery. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, submit to your husbands. Love your neighbor as yourself. And the list goes on. You know where I'm going. Most of the commands in the Bible, they don't come with promises if you keep them. Now, I mean, you have the general promises made to Israel and to various kings in the Old Testament for uh, blessings that would come to them if they kept the law. And we know that following God's commandments uh, is, is, is uh, will result in blessing. But kids... You, you are the ones who have the biggest promise in the Bible. If you obey your parents, if you honor your father and mother, the Bible says that things will go well for you and that you'll live a long life. Now, everyone's always trying to say, oh, if you eat this, or if you do this exercise plan, 
or if you just sign up for my pyramid scheme, or if you run these 12 miles every day, then, then you'll live long and prosper. Now, these are, these are good things, many of them. You should eat healthy and you should exercise. But God never said, if you go gluten-free and do essential oils and run 10 miles every day, thou shalt have long life. No. I mean, his plan is really pretty simple. And we could talk about the, the dietary law of the Old Testament and the benefits there. But what he said specifically was that if you honor your parents, you're going to have a long life and things will go well for you. And God can't lie. Isn't that awesome? And adults can take part in this too because the promise is attached to the honoring. As a child, you honor your parents mostly through your obedience. In adulthood, you no longer have to obey your parents, per se. I mean, they don't tell you what time to come home or to finish eating your broccoli, but you still have ample opportunities to honor them. And that's what this article is missing out. You know, they're saying, oh, nagging mothers cause successful children. No, successful children are those that honor and obey their parents. Now, could it be that those parents are are being more forceful in causing their children to obey could be could be but it's the obedience the honoring what's leading to success so science says nagging is how you get your children to be successful god says your children are successful when they honor you and god also says don't exasperate them isn't it amazing we loved quoting that verse to our dad growing up (laughs) We were little brats sometimes. Anyway, let me tell you this. Let me tell you, this hour of KVXL programming is brought to you by Mario Giannini's State Farm Insurance. Giannini's State Farm offers insurance coverage for your home, auto, life, and banking needs. You can reach Mario's team at 702-982-3300 or online at insurewithmario.com. Or you can stop by their office in the Tucson Plaza Shopping Center off Lake Mead for a no-obligation insurance quote. Our thanks to Mario Giannini State Farm Insurance for their support of KVXL programming. All right, we're going to take a break. When we get back, we're going to talk about Duck Dynasty. We're going to talk about ranch dressing and whether or not it is, in fact, evil and more. So, you don't want to go away. This is Francesca Battistelli with He Knows My Name. We'll be back in just a few minutes. <laughs> there you go. Lighten up and live with Ken Davis. It's true. You got to know how to get up if you fall when you, <laughs> when you ski. Which, by the way, a little pro tip for you since he just left you hanging. If you fall when you're skiing, what you want to do is go onto your side. You want the skis to be pointed toward the edge of the slope. Doesn't matter if it's, well, if you have a mountain precipice, it's going to drop right off with no barrier of any kind. Point them towards the other direction. Point them towards the hill, towards the tree. But what you want to be doing is you want them to be pointing not up the hill, not down the hill. You want them to be pointing to one side or the other. And so that when you get up, you don't just fall over again. Because if your skis are pointed down the hill and you stand up, you're going to keep going down the hill and so you, you, the momentum won't be able, you won't be able to stand up. Unless you're a really good skier, then, well, I won't get into that. Just trust me. Point your skis toward the side of the hill. And until you learn to ski, do a pizza. If you don't know what doing a pizza is skiing, then you probably 
you shouldn't be you shouldn't be skiing without help. I will teach you. Just let me know. I I I love actually teaching people how to ski. All right. We need to move on from the skiing. An announcement last night from Duck Dynasty was the premiere of season 11 last night. I didn't watch it. I did record it though. I don't usually watch Duck Dynasty, but I'll watch uh I'll watch like the season opener and the season finales just because I they're they're fun. Um and every once in a while I'll watch the show, but I don't I don't watch it regularly. But apparently last night on the show and part of the conclusion of the show, the Duck Dynasty family has announced that the show is coming to an end. This will be the last season of Duck Dynasty. Um the uh, the last episode or the last season rather of Duck Dynasty, they're gonna break it into two halves. It started Last night, it's going to run through January 18th. Then it will take a break and resume March 1st. The series finale is set for April 12th. But the family also said that there could be Duck Dynasty specials ahead, like spinoffs. I would be shocked if there's not an Uncle Cy spinoff of some kind. But the Robertson said that it was a family decision to make this their final season. Good for them. They did really well with the show. It was totally, totally unique. And I love that they stood together through all the different little controversies and things that people tried to drum up. And and now they said, okay, that was a good run. And we're, we're ready to be out of, out of the spotlight and focus on our business and focus on our families. So best of luck to them as they continue moving forward uh, with all of their endeavors. All right. There was an article which came out just before the election, and so many of you probably missed it, but while everyone else at this time was looking toward the presidential candidates and anticipating what would happen, the Washington Post ran an article which was apparently meant to help solve some problems with our country. It received a number of rebuttals, but not nearly enough, and I didn't have a chance to provide my own rebuttal because, again, it was it was days before the election that they did this. And it, it needs to be addressed. Are you ready? This is what the Washington Post said. Days before the election. They said, quote, headline, Ranch dressing is what's wrong with America. Perhaps the fact that this is an actual article in a respected newspaper is closer to what's wrong with America. Sub-headline. It's like a subtitle, but not because it's not a title. It's a headline. So it's a sub-headline. Fancy restaurants need to stop experimenting with this revolting milk rot. Literally, literally what it says. Now, the writer of this article, we can't fault him too much because apparently his expertise is covering environmental politics and policy with a focus on climate change. And there are many things which I could say to that regard, but I will not. I will simply say that perhaps his views on ranch dressing are skewed because his views on other things are also skewed. 
He goes on and he writes that ranch dressing, the salad dressing invented from buttermilk, is having a moment. New York Magazine reports that the great American condiment is appearing on the city's hippest restaurant menus as a topping or dipping sauce on everything from chicken sandwiches and onion rings to pizza. Last year, a restaurant served ranch dressing on all its dishes, opened in St. Louis. National food blogs recommend putting ranch on every inappropriate food one can imagine, from pasta to breakfast cereal. Now, that is, that is, that is a cereal too far. While a list of top organic restaurants in L.A. praises one place for putting ranch on french fries and another for adding it to lettuce tacos. I'm going to save my comments, hard as it is, until we get through this. Ranch was invented by a Nebraskan who began serving it in a dude ranch in California, but its spiritual home has always been the Midwest. In its purest form, it's made of buttermilk, salt, garlic, onion, herbs, and spices, although the stuff sold in stores and served in chain chain restaurants has added ingredients like sugar, vegetable oil, and unpronounceable chemicals. It's the kind of topping serious chefs correctly disdained for decades as extravagant and trashy. But now, animated by a kind of a fad, professional food connoisseurs are giving it another look. Today's hip chefs revel in finding ways to profit from glorified junk food, from cronuts to little $8 jars of artisanal bacon mayonnaise, and the food critics cheer them on as if this were a worthy endeavor. Okay, that, that part I actually kind of agree with. Now... He goes on to list his three main problems with ranch dressing. He says, first, that it's disgusting. It tastes exactly like what it is, which is milk that's halfway rotten. Why would anyone want to take something that they would throw out if they unexpectedly smelled it in their fridge and put that on their salad? Hmm. Ranch dressing has been America's most popular salad dressing since 1992, and it currently has twice the market share of its nearest competitor, blue blue cheese dressing, which is basically a better, more flavorful version of ranch. Again, I'm saving my comments. Second, diners are using it incorrectly. Putting ranch on salad at least has some rationale. Many people don't appreciate vegetables and feel compelled to slather everything in processed fat. Fine. But why would anyone use it on french fries? Because deep fried food isn't greasy and caloric enough? And putting it on pizza, a horrifying common practice, is insane because pizza is already dripping with mozzarella. It's completely redundant, wildly unhealthy, and disrespectful to any halfway decent pizza, the chef who made it, and to the Italian people who gave it to us. Pizza does not need a dipping sauce because it's already perfect. If it needs ranch to improve the taste, it's bad pizza and you shouldn't eat it at all. Finally, his final point. (laughs) This one might be my favorite. Finally, our vulgar extravagance is going to destroy the planet and starve the global poor. Like meat, dairy produces more local and climate pollution than most plant-based foods. Dairy cows also require more land, water, and other resources than grains and vegetables. Unless we moderate our habits, we will run out of resources to feed the Earth's 7 billion in growing population and cause massive climate disruption. Here's an easy way to cut back. Don't slather milk products on food already awash in them. Okay, and then he he goes on to talk about uh, cars that are bad for the environment, why New York pizzerias that offer ranch dressing should be shut down, and... Um, organic food things of this nature um okay let me explain to you the myriad of problems with his article let's break this down point by point shall we number one well 
preface to number one. This was written days before the election. Ranch dressing is everything that's wrong with America. Not really. Number one, there are many things wrong with our country. Ranch dressing is not one of them. We have actual real problems. It's not ranch dressing. I know that is probably news to you and may in fact shock you. But it is true that ranch dressing is not one of the great problems of America. Number two, he takes issue to the fact that ranch dressing is made from buttermilk. Hello? It has the word butter in it. It therefore must be good. And it is. Number three, this author has the nerve to say that blue cheese is a better version of ranch, but then he decries ranch for being milk that's in the process of going bad. Blue cheese is milk that's already made it all the way to the dark side. Okay? (laughs) You can't say that ranch is no good because it's in the process of becoming spoiled, but blue cheese is fantastic. It's milk that's already... Spoiled. Just just a little factual interjection there. Number four. He takes great issue to ranch dressing on pizza. Now, on this one, I partially agree and partially disagree. I am double-minded on this point. Because it really depends. I mentioned at the beginning of the show that Giordano's Pizza is coming to Las Vegas... You should never and will never put ranch dressing on Giordano's pizza because it is the world's greatest pizza. You will never see ranch dressing anywhere near Giordano's pizza because it is the height of pizza perfection. So in this, I agree with him. But if you give me some Domino's or or Papa John's, which both of which I like, by the way, I'm not going to lie, I... I kind of like something to dip it in. Not because it isn't good, but because the ranch dressing does in fact enhance the entire pizza experience for me. And quite frankly, I can buy a bottle of ranch dressing and about six Papa John's pizzas for the price of one Giordano's pizza. So, you know, economics. And lastly, to address my favorite point that he attempted to make... Ranch dressing is not destroying the planet or causing global poverty. (laughs) I also found it amusing that he believes that all land, if we would just take all the land that we use for cows and, and cattle and anything that produces milk or beef or any type of meat, instead of using it as pasture land, if we would just grow grains. We could produce so much more food. Clearly this man has never seen how much meat one cow or steer produces and has never milked a cow because cows produce a ton of milk. Like you're if you if you have never milked a cow before and you go to milk a cow by hand your hands will hurt for days after if you milk that cow all the way out. Cows and, and animals produce food as well. And 
and with them, you don't have to worry about uh, so much if there's, you know, pests and pesticides. And I know there's the hormone issue, and I, I'm not here to talk about that. What I'm saying is he's incorrect. To say that we would have more food if we would just take the land that cows and other creatures can graze on and instead use it to grow vegetation of some kind that we could feed more people? No. Not to mention the fact that much of the land that these animals are grazing on could never grow the type of crops that he suggests be grown on them anyway. You can't just walk into any field and be like, huh. If we grew rice here, instead of letting cows live here, think of how many people we could feed. No, because that field, God never made that field to grow rice. It's not going to grow rice. I just, you know. You know when hipsters who, who, who have never touched a barn animal and whose expertise quote-unquote, is writing about global warming, decide to, one, lecture us on how ranch dressing is what is evil and wrong with America, and two, how if we would get rid of ranch dressing, it would in turn mean that we would no longer need cows, and therefore we could grow more vegetables where the cows are living so that we could feed more people in the world. It just, it hurts my head. It really It makes me wonder what universities are producing this type of thinking. It won't work. Parents, parents, don't don't let your children grow up to be the writer that writes about ranch dressing being the evil that's wrong in our country. I beg of you, for me, for us all, don't let it happen. All right, enough silliness. Let's get to Michael W. Smith, You Won't Let Go. We'll be back to wrap things up here in just a minute. And that was Michael W. Smith with You Won't Let Go. I believe he was actually in Las Vegas this past weekend with uh, with Amy Grant on their Christmas tour for this year. I don't think they're coming back. So if you, sadly like me, missed their appearance, well, you could go to... You know, Canada or Indianapolis or Tulsa, and uh, and catch a catch a show there. But it it I mean, you may not want to do that. I don't I don't know. Maybe you do. Maybe you do. Maybe maybe you love Christmas that much. All right. So let's finish with this today. AOL put out an article this morning titled Seven Things Successful People Never Buy." And, you know, it's it's a pretty good clickbait headline. And so I clicked on it and I thought, oh, this will be full of brilliance. And, I mean, they're, they're smart things, but they're not anything that I was like, oh, yes, need to do that. Be more successful. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read them to you anyway. So seven things successful people never buy and or pay for because number one is bank fees. You don't, you don't buy bank fees, but that what they're saying is that successful people don't, don't pay for bank fees. Because bank fees are like flushing your dollar bills down the toilet. Literally. Okay? Second thing, interest on credit cards. Credit card is similar to eating a tub of ice cream. You might feel a little guilty for overindulging afterwards, but it's just too convenient and you're going to pay the consequences down the line. 
Number three, extended warranty. It happens to you. Every time you buy the latest Gizmo or Gadget, you check out and they're like, would you like to purchase an extended warranty with that? A financially successful person has a simple answer for every time that question is asked, and the answer is no. Because guess what? If something happens to it, most likely it will be out again next year and probably for cheaper than your warranty. (laughs) So get the brand new one. Lottery tickets. If you truly want to strike it rich, this is another thing that successful people don't buy. It doesn't pay to play. Your chance of winning the Powerball is about 1 in 292 million, and the odds are not in your favor. Impulse buys are another thing successful people avoid. Low-interest savings accounts and their suggestion, which I found this interesting, uh, online banks and credit unions offer substantially higher interest rates on their savings account than your traditional banks would. You can go to gobankingrates.com. And, uh, and learn all about that if you're interested in that. And last but not least, seven things successful people never buy, high-end brands. Interesting, huh? Just because someone has the funds to splurge at luxury retailers, that doesn't always mean that they should. Comparative shopping is a better use of your time and money. So before you stop to look at another $200 pair of designer jeans, stop and ask yourself if it's really worth the investment or if that $20 pair from Target or Kohl's will do the trick just as well. So shop wisely as we approach Black Friday. <laughs> Keep your budget and your financial goals in mind. Have a list. Know what you're going for. If you're getting ready to go out on Black Friday, my mom always did this. I love this. She had every... Uh, every Black Friday flyer, and most of them now you can find online way before they come out in a newspaper or whatever, and she would go through and she would. She, we had circles on everything that we were going to get, and then there were like assignments. All right, Crystal's going to go to electronics here while Jonathan goes over here. Jonathan will actually probably be videotaping people that are attacking each other and uh, so that he can make it a viral YouTube video later. And then Bethany's going to be over here getting this toy. And like we, the whole thing was planned out. And it wasn't like we went in to see what was there and, oh my goodness, look at this and look at this and look at that. Now we, we would pick up some things that I know that we may have missed. But for the most part, everything that we went in to buy on Black Friday, it was already planned out. We knew what we were going there to get. And then we got it. And then that was it. Have a plan. It's a great way to stay with your budget is if you know what you're going to buy and then you stick to that plan. And you can see what basically all the deals are now online. All of the Black Friday flyers are released prior to the event actually happening. Probably sometime next Wednesday night, I will be going through all those flyers myself. I'm excited. I love Thanksgiving and I love Black Friday shopping And sadly, what I don't love is that I have to leave you now. But it's okay. You can go listen to more shows online. iTunes, SoundCloud, find me there. It's it's kind of fun, actually. You can hit subscribe on iTunes, and then you can just... It'll come automatically to your phone or your tablet or whatever other type of electronic device you happen to have and haven't upgraded to the latest and greatest thing yet. Fantastic. That said, we're now going to play The Stand from Hillsong, and we will see you back here tomorrow, same time, same place, on KVXL 101.1 FM, Experience Liberty Radio in Las Vegas from Liberty Baptist Church.